0: Welcome to Standout, where you're going to hear from some exceptional entrepreneurs. You'll learn what steps they took to get them where they are and what you can do to make your mark. I'm your host, Cheryl Tan, with CherylTanMedia.com. You can find the episodes and the show notes all in one place at CherylTanMedia.com forward slash podcast. Want to connect on Twitter? You can find me there at Cheryl Tan. Today, I'm talking with Dennis Brown, a serial entrepreneur who is embracing social media to connect with influencers and wants to share some valuable tips so you can succeed in using it as well. Before you check out our interview, I mentioned one of Dennis's companies was recognized in the Inc. 5000. It was actually named in the Inc. 500, even better. Kudos to him. In a career that has spanned more than 20 years, Dennis at first focused his attention in what could be considered boring industries. You'll hear him describe the lessons he learned while growing those companies, and you'll hear why he is creating a new path using social media, in particular, LinkedIn. Dennis Brown, welcome to the show. It is so nice to talk with you today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: You are a serial entrepreneur. And you've had three multi-million dollar companies under your belt. You've owned and operated those companies, one of them recognized in the Inc. 5000. So congratulations. And yeah. of course, you're doing some different stuff now, which of course we'll get to. But I wanted to start off by talking about how you got into business way back when.
1: Wow, way back when. Okay, so, <clears throat> you know, I tell everybody the first 10 years of being an entrepreneur, I, I got bucked off the horse. And then the second 10 years, I learned how to finally ride the horse. So we'll talk about the first 10. <laughs> the first 10 was typical entrepreneur, you know, trying and trying a lot of different things. Um, you know, I got out of college, got a sales job, started making money and realized I didn't want to go to law school because there was 400,000 law students and, and you know, 400,000 lawyers and it didn't make sense. So I decided to start my own business. I thought I had it all figured out and uh, <clears throat> started my first business, which was, a liquidation business. I was trying to buy liquidation items and, you know, I did okay. um, But, you know, I was really young. I was very naive. um, And, you know, it just wasn't panning out the way I wanted, you know, I'd probably been doing it for six or eight months. And while there was a little bit of money there, I just didn't see the long-term vision. And so, you know, I started some other opportunities and I bounced around to a couple different opportunities. And then uh, finally uh, in 1998, I actually was a start I was a partner and a founder in a startup in a tech startup during the whole dot com era. Mm-hmm. And that was such an amazing learning experience. You know, when I got into it it was very risky, it was a startup, it was a, during the tech bubble and but you know, I I went into it eyes wide open with my partner and said, you know, worst case scenario I'm going to learn something, right? right? What's what's the worst? I wasn't married, I had no kids, I was traveling light, you know. And so it was easy to make those decisions back then and and it turned out to be one of the best learning experiences of my life. You know, we did, we did, we were, we did custom software development. We have like a proprietary software that we developed. And without boring everybody, you know, we got to work with some really, really cool brands. Like some of our clients were, were uh, Anheuser Busch and Metro Goldwyn Mayer and Coca Cola and Marvel Comics and just some record labels like uh, Def, Def Jam Records and all mm-hmm. kinds of really cool stuff. And and, you know, it really built my confidence and I learned a lot. And, um, and that's kind of how I got my start. Those were some of my early businesses. So they, they ranged anywhere from, geez, from, you know, that liquidation business to flipping real estate to, uh, you know, just about, there was probably about a half a dozen things during that time period that I did, some of which made money, some of which were horrible failures, but that's, so that was my start. The first 10 years was was typical tough tough times a little bit of money but not a lot of success
0: so in that time did you ever say okay I'm gonna be an just a, an employee I'm gonna get a job because in all these ventures that you were involved in you had some skin in the game is yeah that right yeah so you never decided oh, I'm, this is really too hard I'm gonna become somebody else's uh, employee somebody else's responsibility.
1: No, you know, I did what I needed to do from time to time in order to pay the bills. You know, I took some part-time gigs. I I, I bounced at a bar. You know, I did all kinds of things just to pay the bills, just like everybody does. You know, you're moonlighting doing multiple things in order to just get your start. And um, but my goal long term, once I once I sunk my teeth into owning my own business, there was no letting go. It just, you know, I, I got passionate about it. I knew that I could do it. It was just a function of time, and I had to find the right timing, the right idea. And, you know, and reality was I just needed to mature a bit and I needed to have a little bit different perspective. And, you know, experience is gained by making a whole bunch of mistakes, right? right. And so I had to go through that. I had to go through that in order to ex- experience the second 10 years of my career, which is more than 10 years now, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, but, but, um, and, and so I think that I don't think I would have been would be where I am today had I not had those first 10 tough years.
0: Uh, We want to definitely get to the second 10 years Mm -hmm. or so, but I want to talk about passion, which you just addressed is even when you were in the liquidation business, something drew you to that. And then when you went to the other startup, the tech startup, there was something that you were Gravitating toward. Mm-hmm. So what was it that that made you passionate? What made you decide, well, this is the opportunity I'm going to learn from, and this is the one? Like what qualities were you looking for in the companies that you took part in?
1: Well, for me, you know, people people talk a lot about, you know, find your passion mm. and, you know, make that a business. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't necessarily agree with that because there's a lot of things I'm passionate about that I can't make money doing. Right. 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 Um, what, I'm, what I found is that I'm passionate about building. I'm passionate about startups. I'm passionate about creating something from nothing, taking an idea and turning it into a business. That's what I'm passionate about. It's not necessarily an industry or a sector or, a, or anything specific mm-hmm. that way. So you know, starting out with that, but I, I think kind of honing in a little bit more on your question is what do I look for? You know, what I look for are businesses that can scale, right? I I don't want to, you know, consulting is one of those businesses that is a great business. You know, if you're, you know, someone like you who has a lot of interesting experience in the media, you know, you could go out and consult and Mm -hmm. make money. There's no question. The challenge is, is that it's just, in my eyes, it's just a high paying job. That's all it is. You're just a high paid hourly employee. You're trading time for money. And so I look for things that are scalable. Right. Um, consulting can be a good way to, to enter into that, but it's not the end goal for me. So, Mm -hmm. um, I look for things that are scalable. I look for things that are typically not super trendy, but are, you know, but are things that I see as, um, Is things that people could use daily that they solve problems. So, I mean, I look at those types of things like my logistics company, right? I I started a logistics company, uh, back in 2003, was very, very blessed with that business, not a sexy business. I had no passion towards trucking and logistics, but we were fortunate enough to solve some good problems for some clients. And we built a company that did over $50 million in revenue. Wow. So so this is what I'm saying. It's not always about your passion of an industry. And I think people get confused. They think that if they like badminton and they're passionate about it, that they can go make a business out of it. Well, I have news for you. You might be able to, but there's very few people that are going to be able to do that. I don't know if that answers your question.
0: It does. You've just put a dagger in my heart because I just realized that same thing, <laughs> the dollars for hours thing. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. So now let's get to your second 10 years where you, yeah. you made... Um, you learned a lot. You made some mistakes maybe. And then the mm-hmm. second 10 years, you realized some things about maybe the way you create business and how to scale it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I continued to make all kinds of mistakes. Please don't <laughs> get me wrong. You know, I, I don't know everything. I, you know, there's a, I've made a lot of mistakes in the last 10, 15 years of that latter part of my career. But, but I think what I found out was, number one, you can't do it alone, right? You got to build a team you got to build you and you have to build to your weaknesses not your strengths. So one of the things that I've always been very good at is sales and marketing. But one of the things that I don't enjoy at all is accounting and bean counting, right? I just don't I don't enjoy that at all. So I partnered with a guy who was a great CFO. And so we complemented each other, right? He didn't step on my toes, I didn't step on his toes, and it worked out great. Um and and I took that same sort of model going forward when I, as I was building my business And it really helped. So that was one thing I I built to my weaknesses. Uh, Another thing I did was, you know, I embraced technology. You know, I didn't fight against technology. That was one of the platforms that was so exciting for me in logistics because logistics was a – they're a laggard when it comes to – adopting technology you know i mean trucking companies are still operating on on you know chalkboards and right. and you know i mean excel spreadsheets right <laughs> yeah yeah excel spreadsheets are like super high tech for them okay for most for most you know trucking and logistics companies and so you know i brought my technology experience from that software company i had and brought it in and leveraged it And so I looked at other ways to leverage technology and that was a big part of our platform because we built our own transportation management systems and software and really customized it to our own to try to give us some scale, create some more profitability and, and make the job a little bit easier for the, you know, for our brokers, for our salespeople that were really doing the job. So those are a couple of things, um, you know, so I think those are a couple of the key things that I learned, um, you know, the other thing, the other big thing that I learned was, you know, you need uh, to surround yourself with successful people. And I believe that from a long time ago, you know, even younger, you know, in, or in through high school and college, but even more so, I was a part of a uh, um, a group called Vistage. I don't know if you've ever heard of Vistage, but Vistage is the world's largest CEO group. And I was a part of that peer group. It's not a free group. Uh, it uh, costs a lot of money to be a part of it but you know i'll tell you i was going through some things in my business where we were doing growth you know we started out we did our first year we did a million our second year we did 3 million our third year we did 6 million we did 12 million we did 18 million and i was in uncharted territory i didn't know you know i was just kind of rolling with it right um but i realized that i needed help you know i realized that i needed uh some help from people mm-hmm. and so ultimately you know, I, I surrounded myself with those people and they became a really good peer group of people that helped me solve a lot of problems along the way. So I I don't want to get too long winded, but I think those are a few things that I looked for.
0: Well, I think those are some great things to think about for sure. For those Mm -hmm. who are, no matter really what stage of growth they are in their companies. Mm -hmm. So you have since sold your companies, right? The, the companies and the quote boring businesses. Am I right?
1: Yeah. You know, um, I had an opportunity two years ago. I built that from 2003 to 2013. I was the CEO. I founded that business, ran that business. I had some partners and shareholders in that business because it was kind of a capital intensive business. But um, I retired from that business back in 2013. I wanted to pursue some other things. It wasn't my lifelong aspiration to be a, uh, you know, to own this logistics company. You know, I had done what I set out to do, which was to build a great business, turned it over to our management team, they ran it. So I've been a passive passive investor for the last couple of years, and I come to realize me as a passive investor just doesn't really work. And so my partners and I decided to kind of separate. They bought me out, um, and so I sold my equity in that business. So I've, I've since exited that business, um, which is great. You know, it works out for everybody, um, you know, and that was kind of part of the goal at the end of the day was to either you know, was to probably sell it at right. the end of the day. And so, you know, that, that venture had win its course. And so now I'm focused on some other businesses. Right. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> I'm focused on some other businesses and, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, and that's actually, how you and I met. Actually, exactly, that's I exactly. I heard you on an interview on somebody else's show, and I thought right. that your business was so interesting, especially having come from a world uh, that was very corporate in nature, very right. um, logistical, and mm-hmm. you made that transition from that into know what you could call it, I guess, um, internet marketing or yeah. training, but yeah. it's something very different from what you lived before. Right. So, and it base, it's the basis, uh, the it's based on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, how did so you took, make that shift?
1: Yeah. So I took a traditional business, you know, a traditional brick and mortar business, right? Like a logistics company or any other service based company. And when I retired from that business, what I realized was, That I had acquired some kind of some unique skills and I had developed a a LinkedIn marketing system during that that 10 years that we had used very, very heavily in my logistics business to build that business. You know, so really quick back step on it. Well, so
0: that means that even before LinkedIn became wildly popular, you were still using it to grow your
1: company. Right, exactly. Okay. So, so I I got on LinkedIn in I think 2007 2008, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I was a, at that time I was a social media naysayer. I really <laughs> was. I I didn't get it. I would laugh at my wife about Facebook and all these things. I didn't even have a Facebook account. It was that bad. But when I saw LinkedIn, it just made sense. I you know it was like. It just, I just got it. You know, the conversation was different, the people were different, everything was different. So I said, you know, what do I got to lose? So I gave it a try. I got on, set up a profile, and just kind of started kicking the tires. And within a couple of months of just kind of playing with it here and there, I landed a six-figure client. Yeah, and I realized at that point one of two things had just happened: either I was the luckiest guy on LinkedIn and I had just hit the lottery, or. I may have stumbled across the golden egg. And so I took the second thought process. I dove in, I learned everything I could. That's one thing about me. When I see something, I become a student. I immerse myself in it and I, and I suggest everybody who, you know, who's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, you know, immerse yourself in whatever you can. So I did that. and over the next several years, I developed a system of marketing on LinkedIn and I taught it to my team and we were fortunate enough to use LinkedIn to generate over $20 million in new business just through linkedin
0: 20 million 20
1: million in new business and a lot of that was recurring revenue that was just new business that we brought on
0: all right so go let's go back to how you landed that first six-figure client right what you were doing that you stumbled on that you didn't realize would result in something so amazing what did you do
1: yeah i did everything wrong (laughs) except one thing and that was this i did everything wrong because i was learning But what I did different than most people was I picked up the phone and I'm just getting a digital connection beyond just making a LinkedIn connection or a Facebook connection or a Twitter connection or any of these, you know, kind of non-relationship based connections of new people. You know, I got on the phone with that gentleman and we spent 15 minutes on a phone call and that and about 14 of those minutes on that phone call, you know. All we did was talk about him. We talked about how he got his job, what he liked, what he didn't like, football, like guys love to talk about. And we just had a great conversation. And I did not beat him over the head with my pitch. I didn't say, hey, I can save you all this money on your logistics. I can help you. I'm the, you know, I'm the cure to all your woes. I didn't do that. And so I think that, I think he respected the fact that I didn't try to pitch him. And by the end of the conversation, I think he felt obliged to ask me, so what do you do, Dennis? And so for the last minute or two, I just framed it in the form of a kind of a story of how I had helped a similar company to his. Hmm. And I, you know, uh, a company that was very similar to his. And I told him what I had done for him and kind of a little bit of a short case study. And we exchanged contact information. I said, if you ever need anything, let me know. And that's how we left it. And within about a month or so, he calls me up out of the blue and says, hey, Dennis, you remember me? And I said, yeah, of course I remember you, Bill. And uh, he says, well, you do logistics, right? Remember we talked about that? I said, yeah. He goes, well, I have a problem. And bam, I landed a six-figure client. So it wasn't just a client. It was a six-figure client that we had for like six or seven years. Wow! So the lifetime value of that client was huge. But where most people fail in social media – is they stop at the connection and they never actually take the time to develop a relationship. And they think that, well, I connected with him, you know, if he wants to reach out to me, if he needs something, he'll call me. Well, guess what, guys? It just doesn't happen very often. I mean, it will happen once in a blue moon, right. but it's not going to happen very often. You know, it's, you know, social selling and social media and internet marketing is not a cure for your business. You know, it's just a great way to put yourself out there on a large scale, right. it allows you to scale um, your reach, mm-hmm. and that's really all it is, in mm-hmm. my opinion. You know, and LinkedIn is no different. Um, so that's now part of what I do now. And segueing out of that is, since then, you know, from since retiring from that business, I had a couple of friends and other people that I know in business that were interested in learning my LinkedIn system, and and I wasn't out there settle, selling it. I was just teaching it to my team, and I said, "Well, sure, I'll help you." So I showed them. They really loved it um, and then next thing you know word of mouth got around and I got busier than I ever thought I would and thus spawned my LinkedIn consulting business and nice. so now I help business owners, executives you know and sales teams all over the world, mainly North America and I teach them my LinkedIn marketing system that they use and it's traditionally geared towards b2B you know mm-hmm. business to business but there's there are a bunch of other applications too so.
0: Well, I'm glad that we have you here then because we've got a lot of questions (laughs) about how to use LinkedIn. I think uh, if I were to poll five people, for example, Mm -hmm. all five of them will be on LinkedIn, but I guarantee four of them would say, yeah, I'm on it, but I really don't understand it and I don't really use it. They say those two things together. I'm on it, but I don't really use it. And I'm sure you hear that quite a bit as well.
1: Yeah. It's more like nine out of 10.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's it's
1: a huge percentage. Everybody has a profile. Nobody knows how to use it. Nope.
0: Nope. So I would say, um, when I was a journalist, uh, I had, of course I had a profile. I never checked it. I didn't even get notifications. So if people were reaching out to me, uh, I didn't get them for months. So right. <laughs> that didn't help them. Right. Um, I think it's changed a little recently. I think more and more journalists are on there. I yeah. think a lot more people in general are.
1: Right. You'll
0: notice there's a lot more spam. So I guess my question to you is how do you stand out above the noise? Because there is a lot more spam. I've been noticing, I mean, I'm getting a lot more. So h- how do you kind of cut through and stand out and be noticed and be authentic on LinkedIn? Mm-hmm.
1: Sure. So when you're talking about spam on LinkedIn, are you talking about just all kinds of crazy posts or are you talking about people that are messaging you or Mm -hmm. what?
0: Yeah. Messaging and straight up selling.
1: Yeah. Okay. Straight up selling. Good. Okay. All right. Good. So one of the things that that I, that I really think is important, your, one of your first steps, the most important first step you could take on LinkedIn is you have to remember that it's not a resume. If you're gainfully employed, Mm -hmm. And you're an entrepreneur or you're a salesperson or you're someone that's looking to use this as a tool to build your business or build your book of business. um, You need to change it from a resume to more like a bio. And it needs to be more like a bio, a presentation site. It needs to be more like building your brand and as a credibility and a reputation piece. Okay. So, okay. you know, big difference between a reputation and your, and having your own website that's building your brand and building your reputation. So you need to build your credibility. It all needs to be focused on credibility. So you need to change how your, your, your profile is optimized. That's number one. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, mm-hmm. but I do have a free resource that, you know, that your listeners okay. can have at the end that where okay. they can kind of go through and it'll teach them how to kind of bring their their great. profile up to speed. And
0: I'll put so that information in the show notes of yeah, the show. So, yeah, it's a,
1: it's a book that I wrote called Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, they'll get a lot of value out of it. It's free. So that'll help them go down that path. But the second part of it is, you know, yeah, what you have to understand about social selling is that, you know, we're not out knocking on doors selling knives, okay? You know, this is not door-to-door, you know, high-pressure, you know, got to close them sales, okay? This is not Glen Gary, Glenn Ross. You know, we're not, that's not what we do. When you're in social selling, your objective is to plant seeds, okay? And, but you have to be patient, right? I was, and it was difficult for me because I've always been a hunter. I'm much more of a hunter than I was a farmer. That was just my MO. That's what I did for the first, particularly the first 10 years of my career. Right. And so I was more of an aggressive hunter, but I realized is I have to, you have to, you have to slow the process down a little bit. You have to be willing to plant some seeds. You have to be willing to give before you get. Mm. And so, you know, I had to take a little bit different strategy. And I think one of the big things that you need to do on social is you need to focus on, and you hear this all the time. People talk about give value, provide value, but you know, it's not just a cliche. What I found is that if you give away your best stuff, people will recognize the value and they're going to want to associate themselves with you. Some of them are going to be people that are going to want to sell you things. Some of them are going to be people that want to pick your brain for free. Mm -hmm. And some of those people are going to be people that are willing to pay you for your knowledge and pay you for your experience and pay you for what you do. And so, you know, that's one of the ways that you can really stand out is don't pitch, you know, don't, you know, when you connect with somebody, one of the biggest mistakes they make is they send this big long email or message with a pitch that says, Hey, you know, I can do this for you and I can do that for you. And, you know, it's going to be great. And, you know, and we're going to save or make all this money. And, you know, and the reality is that's not how you develop a relationship. You need to develop a relationship. You need to get to know each other a little bit. You need to learn a little bit more about them. You, know, you don't even know if you can truly help them from just having a profile. Okay. So those are a couple things that I think you can do to stand out, um, amongst, you know, the noise and, and that crosses all platforms. That's not just LinkedIn, that's Facebook, that's Twitter, that's, mm-hmm. that's everywhere. But that's one of the key strategies that I, that I teach as a part of my system. Now that's not a tactical piece. That's much more of a philosophical and a, and a strategy piece, but hope that does that fill it in?
0: That was great because it, it makes you, as you get on the pro on the platform, it gives you this mindset shift mm-hmm. about how you uh, react to people and how you reach out to them once you're on right. LinkedIn. Absolutely. I know you've had a lot of success with getting media coverage and reaching people who are influencers. And oh, you yeah. say that happens on LinkedIn. So yeah. how, when at the end of the day, you, Dennis Brown, want something, mm-hmm. how do you make that pitch without making that pitch?
1: Yeah, what yeah, what yeah. has been
0: your, your, your recipe for success?
1: Right. There is a little bit of a system that I've developed for that. And so what I do is this. I love podcasting, right? Mm -hmm. I listen to podcasts. I'm not a podcaster, but I listen and I like to explore a bunch of different podcasts. Not all of them do I subscribe to or follow, but I'll listen to to a lot of different things. And a lot of them are business related. And when I find something that I like Mm -hmm. okay, or I find something that I think resonates with my audience, what I'll do is I will find that person on LinkedIn and I'll reach out to them. And I'll send them a connection request, mm-hmm. or if I'm already connected with them, I'll send them a message. And the message will go something like this. It'll say, hi, Cheryl, um, I, you know, I listened to one of your podcasts recently. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for all the great value and the nuggets, right? Something along that lines. Um, I thought it would be interesting to connect. Very simple.
0: And that's it? And, like there's that, no and, more?
1: Yeah, yeah. No okay. pitch. Okay. No asking to be on the show no asking to sell them anything, not asking for anything, just giving them a sincere compliment. Right. right? And what I'll do simultaneously is I'll try to find them on Twitter or Facebook or another platform or on LinkedIn. And I'll try to, if I can, if they've put some updates or content out there, I'll try to like and share it. Okay. And the reason being is because if I like what they have to offer, then I'm going to, then I'm going to want it you know, I'm going to show them that I like it more than just sending them a message. I want to share it. So what that does is it puts me on their radar, right? In a variety of ways. So I might, they might see me favorite or share one of their uh, tweets on Twitter. They might, or Instagram or LinkedIn, predominantly Twitter and LinkedIn are the ones that I use for that. And at that point, they get my message in there and I'm not a stranger because they may have already seen me share some of their content. And what i find is that probably about 70 80% of the time they'll connect with me now that's a, now they look at my profile and they qualify me as someone that you know they think is interesting and they connect and that's first base if you can get there you know everything gets a lot easier from there now what you don't do is you don't beat them over the head and all go in and say hey listen you know i i'd love to be on your show i'd love to do this what you do what i do is I I send a thank you, a thank you to them for connecting. And I just say, you know, just so we're clear, here's what I do. If I can ever help, you know, you know, if I have any connections that I might be able to share with you, let me know. I'll be glad to help. Offering value, giving them value, right? Not asking, giving. So the focus is give, 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 give sincere compliments, give them access, give them something of value. And so that's kind of the basic strategy, and what I get is I get a lot of dialogue. I get thank yous back. I get people that see my profile because I've positioned my profile mm-hmm. and my story as one that provides value. right Typically, we get a little bit of a dialogue going, and they say, "Well, hey, why don't we set up a call or hey, you might would you ever be interested in doing my podcast or Hey, you know, do you know such and such? And, and, and that's how I get a dialogue. From there, I have to develop a little bit of a relationship. Sometimes that involves a few emails or messages back and forth. Sometimes that involves a couple of phone calls. Sometimes that involves actually meeting them. God forbid we actually go out of our way and talk to people. Um, <laughs> it's amazing what can happen. I mean, perfect example. Right. That's how we met.
0: That's exactly how we met.
1: I found, I found, how did I, we connected on LinkedIn.
0: I, um, I, I heard you on the show and yeah. I reached out to you.
1: You reached out to me.
0: And I, I mean, I don't have anything to pitch, so I just right. said, I like what you said on your show on that right. show.
1: <laughs> right. So you gave a sincere compliment. Yeah. I looked at your profile. You obviously have a great, you know, you've got a, some great experience and very unique experience. Mm-hmm you know, that I don't know anybody that has that type of experience. I said, wow, this is interesting. Worst case scenario, you know, maybe we'll get to know each other a little bit. We'll talk on the phone. Yeah. And um, and that evolved into you having a podcast and now here we are talking. Right. Right. So those types of relationships, when you when you focus on connecting with quality people and giving value, good things can happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be all, you know, esoteric or anything, but I mean, honestly, if you put it out there and you're willing to give value you know, great things can happen for you.
0: So I know that you've been in a lot of, um, shows, podcasts and Mm -hmm. reporters have interviewed you. Have they actually come to you without you reaching out to them first, just by you connecting with other people? Have they just found you as a result of the experience that you have?
1: Typically, no. No. But what I've done is a second step to that is when I connect with a podcaster and we develop Mm -hmm. a good relationship and say they interview me or maybe they don't interview me and I just, I, because their platform is not right for Mm -hmm. my message. Right. You know, so, you know, if it's a relationship podcast, I'm not your guy. Right. Um, You know, because that's not what I specialize in. But at the same time, you know, what I do is, you know, I ask them, I say, listen, do you know anybody? You know, because podcasters and bloggers and internet marketers—they're very, believe it or not—they're actually a very small group. They all know each other. They yeah. all know each other. Yeah. When you get into podcasting right. and you start really getting into it hardcore, right. you're going to know all these other podcasters. <laughs> That's just how it works. Right. You know, it's kind of like in the media business, it's right? Just you like know, in the TV everybody. business, yeah. In the TV business, <laughs> you know, if I asked you to give me ten people in the TV yeah. business you'd be able to rattle them right off. So I ask for referrals and that's been a great way for Uh me to get into other podcasts because if they like me Mm -hmm. and they see value, they have no problem referring me into X, Y, Z. So I've gotten, I've developed some great relationships that Mm, way um, with some really great podcasters. So that's something I don't want people to, you know, forget about as well, you know the value of providing value and then asking for you know a referral or some sort of a resource
0: so, so that's I know a that, second way. No, that's a that's a great point and, a, mm-hmm. and really some great advice. Yeah. you talked about scalability earlier, so mm-hmm. for me, you were able to scale all those businesses that you had, the three businesses from way back when, and now you're working on scaling this yes, so how do you scale this if right now it seems like you're doing one on one consulting? or training, mm-hmm. like what's that step that gets you to your, um, the logistics company that you had, you know, the, Yeah, the scalability, yeah. What, what's, what's yep. the future for you? What's the plan?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to continue to do my consulting cause I mm-hmm. really enjoy working with those groups. Yeah. But, what i've done in order to scale that is i'm in the process of creating an online course and that course is going to be called linked academy and so it's going to take that piece of my brain that i use to consult with clients and i'm going to take everything that i have and i'm going to put it into a course and it's mainly going to be video driven there's going to be a lot of resources and it'll be an online you know membership type course where they'll purchase it and then at that point they'll be able to access all that information 24 hours 365 you know, whenever they want, as opposed to just when I'm available. Plus, so that'll do two things. Number one, it'll allow it, it'll open it up to people that can't necessarily afford my consulting because I'm not cheap, right? Right. Um, I mean, I'm probably not the most expensive guy, but I'm definitely not cheap, especially for smaller businesses that are tight on budget. This will open up that information to them. And then secondly, um, you know, it'll just allow me to scale it on a much larger basis because I'm now not trading, you know you know, hours and mm-hmm. time for money, mm-hmm. you know? Very
0: good.
1: Yeah. So that's what I'm working on now. I'm hoping, I was hoping to have it launched already, but the sale of my business really kind of put me behind. Sorry about that. <laughs> really put me behind. And, um, and now I'm hoping to have that launch hopefully by April. If I can get that thing launched, that would be great. I'm excited about that. That's really exciting because I've gotten great results from my clients, but I feel like it's almost like a bottleneck. Like I've honestly, it's, you're going to probably laugh, but I've literally had to push clients out so far because this isn't the only thing I do. I have other right. things that I do as well. Sure. And so, you know, I, I just want to get it out there because I know that there's an enormous amount of value and it's just, it's it's crazy that people aren't doing it. Well, just I think not people
0: are, con- they're just confused. They're just not sure how to, to act on LinkedIn. Right. It's just different from the other platforms in, in, in different ways. Right. So um I thank you for your time. I've got two yep. more questions. Good. Uh, second to the last is about habits. Um habits. entrepreneurs have too many ideas and they feel like they have too little time. But mm-hmm. having started so many businesses and sold so many, what mm-hmm. are some habits that you have that you've stuck with that have helped you propel you forward?
1: I'll give you a great one that I that I try to teach any entrepreneurs that I come across, new mm-hmm. or old. Mm-hmm. And it's super simple, but for me it's been super effective. So everybody You know, most people set goals, right? So it's not just goal setting, right? What I do is at the beginning of the year I set five big, hairy, audacious goals for my business. And I set five big goals personal, Mm -hmm. right? And these are really high level important goals. These aren't little things, they're important things, right? And I put those down and, and I really I spend a lot of time putting them down and In developing and crafting those, even the wording on how it is. But then, what's more important is this I create a calendar event in my calendar every day, seven days a week, that pops up with those five goals for each personal and business. That's the first thing I see every day. And it says at the top, What are you doing to achieve these goals today? And it's the first thing I see every day. I have to see it. It jumps right out at me. It punches me in the face and it says, what are you doing? And then what it forces me to do is to look at my to-do list that I have for that day and say, does this align with those? Nope. Exit off or delegate it. Does this align with those? Exit off or Mm -hmm. delegate it. Mm -hmm. And you'd be surprised how focused that keeps you on the big picture because one of the problems with entrepreneurs is – you know, we all have ADD and we all want to go in different directions and we want it. We think multitasking is the way to do it. (laughs) Less things on your to-do list is better, Mm -hmm. particularly when they're focused in on the big picture. If you set your goals properly and those are the most important goals to you, you shouldn't be spending a whole lot of time on other things. Now that doesn't mean they don't need to be done, but you need to learn to delegate those things. You need to learn to figure out ways to get those things done. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, as a startup, I know that can be challenging. 'Cause you're wearing a lot of hats, but try to keep the main thing the main thing. And if you do, that's one way to keep yourself focused. That's one habit that I've developed over the years that I think has really kept me kept me, you know, in line.
0: I'm gonna go change my calendar. My Google calendar, <laughs> I'm gonna put up some pop-ups. I think that's a great, great idea. Yeah.
1: Once a day, 7 a.m. That's yeah. what I see. It's before any other appointments. Mm-hmm. It comes up and, and mm-hmm. I see it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta do this. Right. This is what I gotta be focused in on today. I know you. I got all these other things but this is what's important. Mm-hmm. Check, 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 delegate. <laughs> Here's what I'm doing today. Right. So things get simpler. Just a, yeah. That's like a little life hack for me. That's what I do.
0: Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So last question is what makes you a standout, Dennis?
1: What makes me a standout? <clears throat> wow. Never been asked that question. So, you know, I think what makes me different is the fact that I have an extraordinarily high tolerance for pain and rejection. <laughs> and I say that in all honesty, because most people don't, most people, they get a little rejection. They get a little setback, puts them back on their heels. They quit. They fold up their cards and they go, you know, crying. their, you know, spilt milk. Right. They just, that's what they do. And, and, you know, and I'm not that way. You know, I'm, I guess so perseverance and grit that's a term that you know I heard from a a guy that is a CEO of a very successful company and and you know and I I love that term and I think it's I grit I think it really is I think it's grit yeah. that is the biggest difference I just I think I just have that staying power you know and and I think that's really important for people to understand because when you start a business or you, even if you're not starting a business, even if you're in the, in the corporate world, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have staying power. You've got to have perseverance. You've got to weather those storms. Cause I assure you (laughs) there are going to be plenty of storms. Mm -hmm. Um, but on the other side of that, You know there could be absolutely huge success, but you got to be in the game. You got to be in it to win it. So Mm -hmm. perseverance is probably the probably the thing that stands out for me.
0: That is the word of the day, grit. I love it. Grit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you. It was great being here. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Standout. Want to receive the free guide that Dennis mentioned? You can sign up for The 7 Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users at CherylTanMedia.com forward slash podcast and look for episode 8. Interested in other episodes of the Standout Podcast? They're all together in one place at CherylTanMedia.com forward slash podcast. If you'd like to be reminded when new Standout episodes come out, sign up for my newsletter at CherylTanMedia.com. Until next time, thanks so much for joining me. I'm Cheryl Tan.